0: What's up everyone, Anthony Heller here with Dear Vane, and this week, or to this episode I should say, I got another podcast coming out in a couple days, um, this episode is just early season tactics, and these are kind of a, a summary or a summarization or a, what do I want to say, like a conglomeration of consolidation of all the early season podcasts that I've done. I've kind of, I've listened to them and I've walked through them um, myself personally, obviously on the podcast, listening to them. Uh, being a part of that conversation. and I want to just try to condense all this, all these tactics that people have talked about into one kind of short podcast here. Hopefully this is only about 20 30 minutes, just so like we can, you know, if if you're new to early season, you don't hunt early season often, you haven't had a lot of success or whatever. Here are the tactics that people talk about a lot and the, the big things that that these successful guys that are on are doing to be successful in the early season. Before we jump into that, just real quick, Want to say thank you to Vector Custom Shop, uh, Onyx Maps, and Venado for, for making the podcast possible. Uh, Venado has lifestyle apparel. Vector Custom Shop has phenomenal arrows and Onyx Maps, right? It's a great app, uh, GPS mapping app, private, public land boundaries, waypoints, sharing points, and all that with your friends. Downloading maps for offline usage. Going to be using that on my Elk Hunt coming up here soon. So, yeah, all sorts of good stuff with with Onyx and Vector and Venato. Um, Just a big shout out to them. Say thank you um, for supporting the podcast. So, with that, rolling into – and this is a solo podcast, by the way. um, And trying to put out two podcasts a week, um, that between that and and Life and Two Kids and trying to hunt myself and everything – uh, sometimes just gets lost in the sauce and I do not, uh, I'm not, I'm unable to to get a podcast or I have to like squeeze these in as my schedule allows and not everybody else is on my schedule. So, um, so yeah, solo podcast today and just kind of consolidating all those early season tactics. So with that, jumping in early season tactics and early season is I consider personally early season, essentially anything up until like October 10th to the 15th something in that range for the for the when the pre-rut kind of like early pre-rut kicks in for me that's about the 15th Um wherever you're at you might be the 10th you might be the 20th or you might be the 25th I don't know but until that kicks in there is kind of like a subset of early season when they're in velvet it's a different pattern and it's not as uh, unpredictable. It's even more predictable when they're in velvet. Um, but I'm talking mainly hard horn bucks from September, you know, 10th to October 10th, something in that time frame. So, number one, the the biggest thing to understand at this point is that the deer are in a, are in a general pattern. They have their food sources that they like. They have their bedding that they like. They're not to the pre rut or rut yet. They're not really chasing does or anything like that and they kind of have their little home range, right? Right? So like if you live in a big city, let's just say, you know, call out Milwaukee, which is uh, in Wisconsin, like they have just a little suburb, right? They're in this little suburb during the rut, they're going to be roaming all over the entire city of Milwaukee, but currently they're just in this one little suburb. So that's kind of how the deer are for the most part right now. And so they have a small home range, small amount of movement minimal daylight movement especially with hot weather if it's like 80 85 90 degrees out a lot of times these deer are laying down before it gets light and they're standing up after it gets dark so like it's it's difficult to get in on them you know and your best odds are the first and last 30 minutes not saying that you can't do it i had a matt spetz on a couple of years ago and he killed a great buck at like one o'clock in the afternoon on a food plot so you know it certainly does happen where you can kill them midday but generally speaking odds in your favor first 30 minutes, last 30 minutes. All right. So small home range, small amount of movement. They have their favorites food sources picked out, which in general at this time of year, like soybeans are pretty much turning yellow. That's the, that's the next biggest thing that people target is, is food. All right. So, uh, they have, they have soybeans are pretty much turning yellow. If you still got green soybeans and deer in them, that's great. Um, certainly go after them, but a lot of deer are transitioning off of the soybeans onto more browse. So I think somebody told me one time, like 60 to 70% of a deer's diet is literally just browse and browse is like for, it took me forever to figure this out. Like, yeah, deer just browse around. And that's what people are talking about. Just literally munching on random ass leaves as they're walking down trails and stuff like that. Like that is browse. So like 60, 70% of their diet is just randomly munching around. And right now with everything being so green, so lush, so full, they can pretty much eat like anywhere they want, but they do have certain destination food sources that they like. They have like oak flats. They love acorns at this time of year. Acorns are a big draw. Um, Maple leaves are a good draw as well when they start falling. And then also soybeans turning yellow turns deer off. So they'll go to corn, they'll go to food plots, they'll go to alfalfa, hay, anything that's still green kind of as that destination food source. So if, if you're trying to get a deer to go, you can't really hunt browse, right? Because brows are everywhere. So you just call out a random spot in the wood and say, I'm hunting browse. You kind of want to focus on those destinations, which would be oaks, um, oaks, corn, alfalfa, hay, food plots. Like that's the general, the mains right there. Um, and when talking to a lot of these guys early season, they are targeting... They have, they have a very specific food source in mind. Um, so that's why I'm talking about food because the, these deer are getting up from their beds. They're traveling likely under hundred yards by the time you see them in daylight hours, they're traveling under a hundred yards and they're going to a piece of food. So you got to get somewhere between that bedding and that food. That's the general consensus for a lot of these guys. Now, the hardest part is figuring out where that is. Where's the bedding? Where's the food? Where's that in-between point? Like if, if that was an actual science, like you'd be able to kill bucks all the time, but you can't. And bucks have multiple beds. So in the early season, you know, they might have five to 10 beds that they like. And then during the pre-rut and the rut, they might have 15 to 25 beds that they like. So you, you, again, you're talking about a small home range. Um, like a suburb, as I was saying before, where they just have like, you know, they have four, five, six different bedding areas that they like that they'll go to depending on the wind, where they're feeding last night, if a coyote bumped them, if they found some pressure, if they got chased around by random dogs, whatever it is, like they will find different spots to bed. They don't go to the same bed every single day. And I think that's a misconception in some uh, newer hunters. They think that the deer goes to that bed every day. Um, and that's just not the case. They can certainly not be there. So, But then during the pre-rut and the rut, the amount of beds and the amount of places that they will bed uh, dramatically increases. So you have this big change. You have this big swing from you know a very small home range to a large home range. So how you find that information, that's the next big piece. Um, finding those bedding areas that he likes or at least one that he's killable in. You don't need to know all of them. You just need to know the one that he might use and then he would use that's that's killable because he might have a few beds that you found there's absolutely no way to get in there and kill him and try to get in 100 under 100 yards and and find that so there are certainly like unkillable locations and that's what these good bucks are good at Or these big bucks are good at right that's why they get so big is because they find areas that are really difficult to sneak up on them and really difficult to spot them and understand them and hunt because that's obviously why they get old because no one can kill them so um, what you need to do, and this is the number one, by far the number one thing everybody has talked about on the podcast for early season is scouting. Um, scouting boots on the ground, glass in your hand, binos, tripods, getting your feet on the ground, um, getting cameras out, sitting in stands and doing observation sits. Um, almost everybody who, who I've talked to who kills early season, they already have the buck, his pattern. Uh, where he thinks he's betting, what food source he's going after, and where he's going to try to kill him. They're trying to figure all that out even before season starts. So then once season starts, they're in and they're usually killing within the first week because they understand that deer's pattern. They've studied them enough. There are certainly deer that are more or less predictable than others. Some great freaking giant, you know, non-typical might have a perfect pattern that he does every, you know, Wednesday when the temperature is this and the wind is that, he might go from A to B all the time. Predictable, get in there and kill him. Other times, you know, you might have even a smaller deer that's like just a nice 8 point that you're like, dude, that's a cool buck. He's younger, he might be more predictable, might be a little bit dumber. I'll go after that buck. And then he becomes very unpredictable and you don't know when he's going to be there. He's showing up at random times, random times on your trail cameras all that kind of stuff. So there, there's a predictability pattern in here and you just have to, you have to get lucky with that or understand that. Cause I know talking with just Ethan last week and it brought up some great points is that he didn't target the biggest buck he could find. He targeted the most killable buck he could find, which certainly is a little bit more eye-opening, right? People aren't always chasing the 180 inch deer that they have on camera. If they only have one picture of them and they haven't seen them in three months you know, like that doesn't, that doesn't lead you to chase that deer. A buck that is a great 10 point, 150 inches. And you have pictures of him regularly four or five times a week at six o'clock on this food source. Fantastic. Right? Like that's a killable deer, very killable deer. So the big thing is, is scouting, finding and, and finding the food sources, finding the attracts, finding the scrapes, finding the rubs, this time of year, rubs are really starting to open up. So finding fresh rubs, I found a few the other day when I went to just go check a spot before opening um, opening night. Scrapes are opening up. I know a lot of people think those are only a pre-rut or a rut thing. Um, they are not. They're good. Scrapes are used year-round. I found two open scrapes when I went scouting the other day. Um, or three actually, two in the same spot, then a third um, off on a different area. 100% deer, not hunters. Um, you can see the hoof prints. You can see the tracks, good tracks. So you got to find the tracks. You got to find scrapes if you can, rubs. You have to find the food. And then from there, try to what, what a lot of these guys do is they will find the food and they will find all the food sources that they can that they think the deer would use. And then from there, work backwards and they know the land. They've hunted the land for years. And they understand, okay, if this deer is feeding in this area and I work backwards from where his tracks were coming from, he's probably going this way. Oh, I know this because I scouted this in February and I know exactly where this trail goes. It goes 80 yards up, makes a J hook, and then hooks into this like new timber growth, and he's probably betting in that new timber growth. So a lot of the a lot of the stuff that these guys are doing is is historical data, pulling that from relevant or recent tracks and sign and using historical information of the property to understand where that deer is coming from. If you don't have that historical data, it becomes very difficult and you have to just start at the food source or take your best guess down one of the trails you think that that deer is going on. That's, that's really the only way, or you need to, uh, you need to put out trail cameras, um, or you need to sit from afar in glass if you can do some observation sets from afar if you can. But a lot of these guys scouting, 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 And when they feel confident in the sit, they'll go in and kill, um, or at least try to kill when they feel confident that they understand exactly what the deer is doing, or, you know, 80, 90% of what the deer is doing, they can go in and and try to give it a go. Um, if you, and again, we're talking about killing specific bucks, bigger, more mature deer. Um, I'm not talking about just killing any deer. Um, and that's that, that's the big idea here. If you're just trying to kill any deer, find a good food source. Find where the tracks are that's what i'm doing tonight i found a good food source i found a bunch of tracks i'm just trying to kill the doe to put some meat in the freezer um, so i'm going to head out tonight and try to do that you know i have a good bedding area where they know they like to bed out in this marsh there's a nice trail coming in it's nice and thick full of tracks uh, there's a scrape right when it comes into the woods and then they go once they get into the woods from the swampy area they go about 20 30 yards and there's some oaks dropping acorns checked them out the other day it's all there, all the sign points to yes. So now I'm just going to go out tonight and hopefully those deer come in during daylight hours and they come in on the right trail and I can get a shot at them. Right. So that's, that's the idea. If you're just trying to find any deer, um, just find recent relevant information. So, um, scouting again, number one, then food is number, number two, right. Find that food. Um, I already talked to trying to get close to the bedding, try to get as close to the bedding as you can. It's really difficult, but but you can in this with all the vegetation so thick, um, you can get closer, especially if you have a good wind. If you have 10 to 15, even like 18 mile, 20 mile an hour winds, 20 might be getting on the high side, but like 10 to 15 is great. Cause you can have a lot of movement. You can make a lot of noise and it all get washed out by that wind. Um, especially if that deer is bedding in a windy area as well. The other big one, entry and exit routes. Um, entry and exit routes are really important. And I think they're the, probably the most overlooked by a lot of beginner hunters or a lot, even some veteran hunters um, that just haven't necessarily considered it. How you enter and exit that stand location, that food source is, is a huge part of how your success will play out over the season. And even that one sit, if, if you don't kill them on that one sit, that first sit, um, uh, if you don't kill them or you don't kill a deer, And they cut your tracks and they smell you coming in and they smell you going out or they hear you coming in or hear you coming out Um, or you're getting out of your stand as they're coming in and they're just standing there and you get down. We've all been there and they bust you. They all blow out of there. You're like, geez, I didn't even know they were deer there. Like that is for your longevity of that location of that hunting spot. It's not good. Right. So you want to have a very meticulous planned out how I'm going to get in, how I'm going to get out without disturbing any deer, without disturbing any of the animals and not crossing their trails, not crossing the food source. I'm not walking back out across the wide open cornfield, whatever. Um, It's a really, it's, it's really important again for that location hunting. If you're given it all, you know, there's been people that I've talked to were like, nope, it was an all or nothing thing like uh, the podcast with Cameron. He was like, either I'm killing this deer or I am busting every deer out of here and I'll never hunt this spot again. <laughs> and, uh, and that's pretty much like Cameron was there for four or five days. So he, he was able to get extremely aggressive because he just didn't, he didn't care about the longevity of the location. If you care about that longevity, then you need to be very meticulous. If you don't, then by all means, get in there, get after it, get aggressive. You're hunting another state for three, four days. You got to get aggressive in order to get in there. But like you don't care about what happens two weeks from now because you're not going to be there, right? So that's getting aggressive and getting after it when you need to do that, when you don't. Um, That's a, it's a tough call, really. Um, Time frame is the easiest way. If I don't have time, I'm going to get extremely aggressive. If I do have time, then it's, for me, it's about, it's about weather. I don't know with the, with the other guys that I've talked to. I haven't asked that question. I'll have to do that on the next podcast that I have. Um, so I'm not going to talk about it for me. It's, it's, I've not been good at that. I'm like a crapshoot. I don't know today. I'm going to get really aggressive because I got a good wind. That's a stiff wind. I think he's in here and I'm going to go after it. Sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it doesn't, um, but I don't have a rhyme or reason just how easy it is for me to, enter and exit that. Plus if I'm late or not, you know, if I'm trying to get up in the stand an hour before dark and I'm like, man, I'm so late. I just set up where I can. If I have the time, I'll meticulously work my way in. It's, it's whatever, um, for me. Um, so entry and exit routes. The next one, um, that a lot of people talk about is the weather hunting, the right weather. And of course the right wind, um, wind is, is paramount. For not getting busted, having it in your favor all the time. So that the deer are always upwind of you. They can't smell you. And that goes for your entry and exit route too. You really want to make sure that both of those, you have the wind in your favor the whole time as well. So like tonight, um, I'm hunting a Southwest wind and I'm going to approach from the East, from the Northeast. So I'm starting in the Northeast. I've been walking with the wind in my face the whole way. I'm going to set up. I'm going to look to the Southwest, which is the wind is up or I'm up, the deer would be upwind of me. So they wouldn't smell me at all. And then when I leave, I'm going to go back to the Northeast and the deer are going to travel West. So essentially there's, we should not cross paths at all. Um, unless like for some reason, like they're feeding somewhere else, funny, or they're taking a trail that I don't know about. So that's like entry and exit route is important with that wind. Um, and the weather, the weather is the other big one. Um, It's an interesting, it's an interesting piece because a lot of people say if you're waiting for that big buck, that big mature deer, don't go in there until you have the right weather and the right weather is typically uh, what they mean by that is a wind switch from like a Southwest, which is very typical in Wisconsin for the early season, Southwest wind, high temps of 80. And all of a sudden one day we get a thunderstorm overnight and the next day it's a high of 68 and the weather, the wind is out of the Northwest and um you have a big temp drop and you have a big um wind shift and then you have a pressure change like all that plays into effect and people will say that that is the best time to hunt and i like trail cameras trail camera data agrees um in general that is when the most deer are up on their feet and they're moving in daylight so cold fronts northwest winds wind switches those are great times to be out there. And if you can, if you do have the ability to have the patience and wait for that, I would. So my private property that I hunt, I am this year, that is my strategy going forward. This year is be very, very patient and be very precise. Um, Only hunt on good weather days or once I have, I do have a bunch of cell cameras out there this year. I have five, six cell cameras out. So I only am going to get in there and put pressure on that property when I have, uh, the right weather or the right data coming in from those cameras. Um, now that's a luxury I have. I openly admit that like no one else hunts it. It's just me. And if anybody else hunts it, they have to ask me for permission. And then I get to decide how all that works. But again, there's other people in this scenario as me. So if you do have that ability, certainly I would, I would try to try to finagle that if you can very, very low pressure. Um, but, uh, where was I? Um, I was on. Oh, the right weather. So waiting for the right weather um, can be really effective. And again, you know, you want to plan that for a northwest wind. Usually, those cold weather is coming out of the north. Usually, it's from the west. So you're trying a northwest wind. So then, when you're looking at your some of your best spots that you've seen big bucks over the years or whatever, um, I always try to plan out a sit that works well for a northwest wind. And you plan out an entry and exit. And a tree that works well for northwest wind because a lot of times when your your best odds are in that time frame. So you're like, okay, perfect. I have a northwest wind. I already know where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. I have six stands that would work out for this. Do I have any cameras? Do I have any data that tells me that these bucks are in an area? And then can I go in and kill them? So there's always like yeah, that's always a a good idea is to just plan that out because that is typically your best odds. Um, is that northwest wind now? That being said, I've talked to a few guys in North Dakota over the years that say their best days on camera are south winds and higher temps. And I don't know um, if it's water or what it is like if it's water or if they get hungry earlier, the heat is just unbearable. They go to bed sooner. They don't eat as much at night. I don't know like why that would be the case at all. And neither do they, but um, they have been like they are saying like south winds were better. So they've definitely killed on south winds um, in North Dakota on 85, 90 degree days, just because that's what their cameras were telling them. So bottom line is wait for the right weather. But if your cameras are telling you different, (laughs) go by the cameras. I mean, the truth is the truth and you just hunt what they give you. Right. So, but in general, you know, keep a, keep a firm eye on the weather. I know I'm on, I use Wonderground. If you have an app, um, it's W and then the word underground. It's an awful app for the ads. There's so many ads on there. It takes forever to load sometimes. And sometimes it does just bog down and suck. But at the same time, it does give you great weather, uh, hour by hour weather with, with, um, uh, with the wind, with the pressure, with to- storms and all that stuff. So you can kind of get a good feel for that, um, if anybody else knows of any other really good hunting apps for that or weather apps, um, let me know. I do have deer cast and all that, but I, I always just like to look at the weather in general just anyway. So um, anyway, yeah, that's that'd be keeping an eye on the weather. Um, there's a couple others that people tend to, tend to really focus in on. Um, if you do have the open scrapes or a, a good rub line, like rubs in the early season, I think this was either Aaron Warbritton or Zach Farnball, They really key in on rubs in the early season um, because rubs on a specific trail, like if you have three trails going kind of to the same destination and one's rubbed up and the other two are not like sit the one that has the rubs, obviously don't. And even Aaron Warbritton was saying, don't try to sit, sit where you can shoot all three of those trails sit where you're shooting that one with the rubs. Like key in on the rubs. Um that clearly means that a buck is in the area. He's dropped his velvet. He's messing around trying to claim a territory. And and check that trail for the tracks too. You want to see if there's good size tracks or if they're average or small or what they are. And how many too. Like if you have a whole bunch of does like if you have a ton of tracks, it's usually does going through um and maybe there's a buck on that trail as well. Um, and sometimes if it's just a buck, that's the more mature deer you'll find tend to want to use their own trails. So, um, you'll find just a few big tracks in there and not a whole lot of excess like noise, like does and fawns and whatnot. So, uh, those are important. Scrapes are definitely important. Early season scrapes. I know Jake Bush killed his buck, killed a great buck last year on a scrape, a hundred yards from the buck's bed. Um, the buck came down, it was on a scrape on an oak flat and he was able to kill it at like 12 yards. Great hunt and he keyed in on the scrape. The early season scrape that was open, that was being hit with a cell camera. He knew it was there. So he went in and got that and got that buck, right day, right time, right wind, everything. He planned it all out to a tee, and it all worked out. So those are the other big, the two other like deer sign pieces that are really important that people focusing on. Um, the last one before I wrap this up here, bring a thermocell. If you don't know what a thermocell is, look it up online. It is going to save you from a whole lot of mosquitoes and black flies and all those nasty little bugs that are out there right now in the hot weather. Um, thermocells are extremely handy and helpful. Um, Go check them out. They're only like 20 bucks, not sponsored by them or anything, but they are super handy. And the, uh, the last thing I, I know I said that one was the last one, but there's two others that I have here, two other notes. First one would be don't force it and be patient season just opened. And if you have the entire season to hunt, like, and you know, a deer, a good buck is in a specific area right now. Odds are that that's his home area and where he wants to be for the entire season. And he'll want to be there during the pre-rut and the rut as well. He'll he'll range out of there and he might get killed, you know, outside of that. But in general, his home range is right there. So he's going to be in that area. So if, you know, like, you know, finally a cold front comes through, it's a northwest wind and you can finally hunt and work calls you in and they're like, you can't skip. You have to come to work today. You know, go to work and it's September, you know, what, I don't know, 25th or something like that, you have you have the week of October, the first two weeks of October yet, before he even starts moving, even to three, four weeks into October, um, where he's going to be sticking around that home core area pretty heavily. So don't, don't force it. Be patient. Don't go in on a bad wind, especially if you know, like, pressure's low or you're the only one hunting it or, you know. Anyway, like, yeah if you have the time and you have the patience, don't, don't force it. And the last one is enjoy the hunt guys. I know this is a lot of podcasts, including mine. Like we talk about trying to kill big deer all the time. Um, and it can get frustrating. Like they are very, very smart creatures. They know what they're doing. They know how they're moving to and from, they know how to avoid pressure. They're six years old. People have been trying to kill them every single year since they were born and not even us, but coyotes and bobcats and even bears in wisconsin like bunch of stuff i've we have some mountain lions not a, i don't have them on camera but i have friends who have mountain lions on camera in wisconsin like there is stuff trying to kill these animals all the time and and they need to uh, potentially figure out how to survive so they figure they figure it out they get really smart they get really crafty and don't get frustrated with it just enjoy enjoy the hunt enjoy the game the chess match, the strategy of them being able to beat you so many times. And that's why it's rewarding when you do finally get an arrow and a nice buck, get to enjoy the meat, get to enjoy the antlers, get to enjoy the story with your friends and the entire, the entire hunt overall. All right. So with that, I did keep this under 30 minutes. That was my early season tactics, kind of one-on-one consolidation of everything that a lot of people told me again, scouting, um, This is just my list here. Scouting is number one. Food is number two. They have a very small home range. Really watch your entry and exit routes. Hunt the right weather for the right spot. Don't force it. Be patient. Bring a thermosel and enjoy the hunt. So I hope you guys, I hope that helps some of you guys out a little bit. Um, And if you have any other questions or anything, definitely write in on Instagram or Facebook or something. I'm happy to ask questions to the podcast, the people that I have on the cast um, in their scenarios you know, I'm happy to ask those questions. So just write in, let me know, and we can go from there. All right. With that, thank you, everybody. Hope you guys have a great day, great week, great hunting season. Be safe, have fun, and uh, catch you guys later.